0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Movie Geeks United. It's that time of year again where the movie geeks go through the films released in the summer season this year. We're on 1998. Who can forget that year? Uh, And once again, as is tradition, we're joined by Arenada Diaz. Our once-a-year reunion.
1: (laughs) Howdy, guys? It's
0: good to have you.
1: Good to have you, Aaron. Yes, it is. Good to be here. It's a good summer there's a good summer I'm Looking forward is to it. it okay <laughs> did it get
2: the job done there's
1: a couple of movies here that are on my top 10 list from that year so, so it, there, there are, are some good ones yes <sighs> i will agree
0: okay let's get with it hmm? on uh may may 1st some of these i'm just gonna because I, I i don't know anything about some of these okay. like a friend of deceased you know, so let, let's go through the ones that are, are more readily recognizable. Black Dog, that's that Patrick Swayze meatloaf thing, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Filmed right down the road yep. from where I live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember it. Not the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, it's not. Is
0: it better or worse than Convoy?
2: I think it's better, actually. Uh, uh, Convoy was. Is not uh, Peck and Paul's best film by any stretch, and I think Black Dog's a little bit better than that. It's although it's no great shakes, it's uh, it's tolerable and watchable, and a a fine yeah. rainy afternoon pick.
1: <laughs> In the Swayze family movie pantheon, um, I I have a I give this slight edge to um, Fatherhood from '93. Oof.
2: <laughs> well, Black Dog's a little bit more preferable for me, but that's just me. Yeah.
0: Okay, Black Dog. It's no fatherhood.
2: Yeah, there you go. That's the tagline.
0: That's the that's the poster. Yes. Uh, Dancer, Texas, population eighty-one, and go now. Do we know what those are?
1: Yeah, I actually saw Dancer, Texas, population eighty-one, mainly because I mean, obviously, I'm I live in San Antonio, South Texas, so it's filmed uh, in a small town, um, and um, it's uh, it's not. It's one of the, it's a very, uh, you know, obviously, you can tell just by the title, it's one of those little indie uh, kind of small town life uh, things. And it's four friends uh, and who, the one the one like fun running gag in the film, but it, it's also kind of poignant, is like they have these kind of heart to heart conversations uh, where they, they, they sit in these lawn chairs out on the, the highway just waiting to see. Cars go by, you know, and they'll be there for long stretches without a car. Uh, and so, but they have these kind of hard to hard conversations, and, um, like two of the friends are, they want to, you know, leave town. They got these plans to leave town. And so, it's, you know, kind of, you know, that's a, you know, an old thing, you know, going all the way back to like American graffiti. And so it's a very, you know, the acting is very good. It's good ensemble, young cast. I think the biggest name entity is, um, Brandon Sexton. I believe he's in it. Um, he, he was a good actor. He was in Welcome to the Dollhouse and a couple other movies. Um, I remember at the time, I haven't seen it since then, I remember at the time, I, you know, the acting was good, but it's a very, it's a very slight film. And it was one of those kind of like, you know, I saw it and I'm like, well, this person has promise. But um, I don't think they were given much of a second shot. If they, if they were, I, I don't, I don't,
0: Okay. Know, the, the, the Les Miserables from the that came out that day, that that was the Liam Neeson Jeffrey Rush Uma Thurman one. Was that any good? Was that a good version?
1: It's fine. I mean, um I remember uh Geoffrey
0: It wasn't it Rush. wasn't done as a musical though, right?
1: No no no, no this is a straight version. Yeah. Uh I remember Jeffrey Rush is um is um uh the, the cop the cop uh, I'm blanking on the character's name of the cop. Um the, the, the problem was, is that it was, obviously, it's the Hollywood version of it, which is fine. It's, you know, good production values and these are good performance. The problem is it came just, uh, what, two and a half years after the 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 the, the Claude Chabrol version with oh. the John Paul Belmondo, which is kind of like the, uh, really, that is really the definitive version of Les Miserables, that because okay. it's been... It's set in uh, World War II, right. so it's the Les Miserables, but it's it's been updated in World War II, so it's given this kind of new life, new urgency, and so this one just kind of look was a little bit paint-by-numbers version.
2: Yeah, I thought that was the Claude Lelouch. Am I wrong or?
1: Well, Cla- Claude Lelouch. Claude yeah, Lelouch. That's uh, right, uh, I
2: sorry, think. I mispronounced it. See, I
1: goofed up too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Claude Lelouch.
0: Javert. Yeah, Javert is the detective's name.
1: Yeah. Right, Javert, and Jeffrey Rush is a good. Is good at that
0: uh, yeah he was probably... he was on fire at that time yeah. Yeah. before he got fired okay <laughs> yeah. do we know shooting fish still breathing or wild from that day
1: wild uh wild i did see that uh,
0: oscar Wilde or... biopic or something yeah
1: yeah, oscar, yeah and um and it's good it's it's, it's actually a good it's, it's a good pretty good biopic i mean it's very much in the it's not merchant ivory but it's done in the kind of the that Merchant Ivory style, but it's actually, it's actually pretty good. The, the, the lead performance of Oscar, I, I can't remember the actors um, uh, at the moment, but, uh, I do remember at the time when I saw it, it being very, very good. Stephen Fry, right? I think so. Yeah. Lisa so. this... And actually it was, it was noteworthy because it actually, it was like, I think the first wild Oscar Wilde biopic that actually like, you know, did not code his sexuality. It actually, right. you know, dealt with
0: what it. wild biopics were there before that, or was he just a character in movies
2: before that? He a character
1: movie, but then there's the uh, what's the 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 the, the classic with the trial the trials of Oscar Wilde. Yeah, that's
2: true. Did, that's true. Yeah. did we did we miss uh, He Got Game? That was the same.
0: No, day. we didn't. I was saving it for the last uh, since great. we have the most
2: yeah, since the best we have the, most the to say about it. I was
0: gonna say. Uh, this. All right, yeah, I got the list right here. Uh, go he Got Game, Spike Lee, Denzel. And who was the real life basketball player that played the
1: Ray, Ray Allen and um, this was uh, Rosario Dawson.
0: <laughs> I tell you Ray what, was, there's there's a long line long in that movie that comes up quite a bit in my mind uh, when he's saying where he's trying to sell him on the college and everything, and they're giving him all the bells and whistles, offering him all that stuff, and to sell him on the college, and they show him this super expensive sports car. I swear this pops in my mind all the time where the guy says, You can look like fucking Bucky, Buddy Hackett and if you're driving this car, you're gonna get all the girls.
1: <laughs> I
0: thought you want the Buddy Hackett reference and he got game.
2: Yeah, nobody would get that today, unfortunately. It's, yeah, completely um, lost. He, he yeah, got
0: sure. game is um what one of my favorite Spike Lee movies, actually. It's and I'm a f- big fan of Spike Lee, even though there are several films that I just think are awful in his resume. But, mm-hmm. but I, 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 you know, He Got Game is pro- – is, I always say my top two favorites are, are 25th Hour and He Got Game. And I just – and I love He Got Game for the same reason I love the best of Spike Lee, is that he's not afraid to go operatic, in these big, big stylistic swings. You know, and I know the ending got a lot of criticism, where he's kind of tossing the ball to his son, the next generation, and Spike Lee films it literally. Well, I really like that. I really like that bold, that boldness that he that he has. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a great movie. It's a terrific movie. It's a. Uh, I mean, it was coming off of. Um, he hadn't done a movie like in a in a year and a half because he he did the two movies in 96, uh, Girl 6 and Get on the Bus, which are very, very, very small kind of, you know, rough movies. Uh, Get on the Bus is really good. But then he hadn't yeah. done anything, and and this is a, this was kind of a big thing. This was a Tuckstone, and it was like his basketball movie. Uh, and everyone had been waiting for Spike Lee's basketball movie. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it just has all this visual pop to it. I mean, the big thing also, I mean, if you're, if you're a diehard Spike Lee fan, it was, it was terrific. He got Public Enemy back to do the theme song, um, the title song, just like, and do the right thing. And, uh, just, you know, it had a live new, and, and he, um, it was a new cinematographer he was working with and it had a new visual, uh, style, uh, that he was using.
0: Yeah. He, he worked with I don't know, I forget who the d p of um he got game is mm-hmm. uh i'm I know the d p of summer of Sam was um we had, yeah, we had her on years ago, and uh yeah and yet and yet his his spike Lee has this signature look in a lot of his films, mm-hmm. so it's not like wildly divergent in style, you could see it and see that it's still sure. a spike Lee so. But, you know, whatever whatever new accent they're able to put into it, they probably have to adapt to his way of seeing things. This one had two DPs he got game. Mm-hmm. That's right. That Ellen Curris yeah. and Malik Saeed. Yeah.
1: Right. And then, um, of course, and then uh, the real uh, thing that gave that kind of like is really put over the top is uh, uh, the way he employed the uh, Aaron Copeland uh music and i just uh you know that was that was I mean, he has a little he really has like three scores in that movie because there's aaron copeland music that he uses there's public enemy songs that he used and then there's uh terence blanchard that's also i mean which is so it's just kind of an amazing musical tapestry and ray allen ray allen was a good actor ray allen he could have i mean he could have acted uh if he wanted to but i mean he he, could, he made a right career path. I and mean, he got a championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the fun little factoid, he originally went to Kobe Bryant uh, with that movie, and Kobe turned mm-hmm. him down. That would have been...
0: A, a, Probably for the best. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Wasn't this a uh, uh, Disney movie? Uh, t- Touchstone? Touchstone. Yeah. yeah, he did uh, four amazing
1: movies with, with Touchstone. Bad,
0: Summer of Sam. Sam. Oh, that's, that's my third favorite, Summer of Sam.
1: Yeah. Uh 25th hours touchstone and uh Santa
2: Ana's Tuckstone. How far are we falling? Yeah.
0: <laughs> to be to be fair, all all three of my favorite Spike Lee movies are kind of interchangeable. I, I can't yeah. say I prefer one over the other. But uh yeah, and that DP, uh Said, he the movie he did right after he got game was uh Eyes Wide Shut. He was in the camera department of Eyes Wide Shut. Mm. Oh wow Factoid, <laughs> Factoid. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I need to revisit this one. I, I like I like it a lot, and I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen it since it came out. And it, it wasn't intentional; it just it just happened. And I have there's a Blu-ray double feature that has uh, He Got Game and the 25th Hour together mm-hmm. as one. So um, got them both on the same disc.
0: Two, two astonishing movies.
2: Yeah,
0: going to go down to May 8th. Now the biggest uh, release of that weekend was Deep Impact. No, not the adult film. The <laughs> meteor. The second meteor-striking Earth thing.
1: The first of the two asteroid movies. Um, I know a lot of... I mean, the 90s had a lot of disasters. So I, I do know people who really like this movie. I think it just came out on 4K. It did. Uh, yeah. a, couple of months, a couple of months ago. Um, I remember I saw it. I mean, the highlight in the movie, obviously, is the at the time the novelty casting of a Morgan Freeman as the president. Uh-huh. Um, that was like the highlight. He's very uh, he, he, well. He's good. I mean, it's, it's a very Morgan Freeman performance. But the rest mm-hmm. of, it, I mean, it's basically an, an update of those old um, Irwin Allen uh, movies from the from the seventies. The, the problem is those Irwin Allen movies, they had kind of a trashy uh, energy to them. You know, when right. You see
0: someone and this film. one is all this one respectable, respectable it, high, high drama it takes, it, melodrama.
1: Yeah, it takes itself so seriously um, yeah uh, and when we get to the other one we can talk about the defaults of the other one later on this summer but uh you know I mean if you saw the trailer <clears throat> that was you saw the best stuff in the movie the uh, you know I remember everyone's I think the big shot is the that wave engulfing the Statue of Liberty right. so like the, the big shot but,
0: I mean I now mean, Adam and I were talking about this the other week when he was talking about the 4k release of it and so just confirm this for me, Aaron, if you have any memories of it, that I'm not going crazy. There's a scene in there where that Ron guy, the guy from In the Company of Men, Ron, whatever his name is.
1: You mean um, uh, Aaron Eckhart?
0: No, the one that played opposite him. Oh,
1: uh, well, that, that guy's name. Uh, no,
0: no, not oh. that guy, not that guy. He's in it. He's in a Neil Butte movie. What Neil Butte movie is he in? Is it
2: Your Friends and Neighbors? or?
0: Yes, okay. maybe. Hang on, I gotta type in Deep Impact to look up this guy. Almost typed in Deep Throat, just <laughs> just on just on reflex. Uh, uh, Ron Livingston. Ron Eldred.
2: Eldred.
0: That's Ron right. Eldred. Ron Eldred. Some accident happens and he's blind, and he's in the spaceship, and Robert Duvall is reading a book to him. Do you remember that moment, or am I going crazy? Yeah,
2: that's correct. That one. I just rewatched it, so yeah. Oh, correct. you
0: did. Okay, okay. That's the. I don't know why. That's the only thing I remember about yeah. Deep Impact. <laughs> <laughs> I duck uh, you know, because uh, I remember rolling my eyes at that, that scene. I was Go ahead. I just want to say real
2: quickly. It's, it's a mixed bag. It, uh, you know, it's kind of silly in the beginning, and I, I was kind of moved by it by the time it ended. You know, during the last half hour. So it's. It kind of runs the gamut from one extreme to the other. For me, it's a mixed bag for sure. but
1: You get like four or five of these storylines. I mean, you got the president, you got the astronaut, you got Tay Leone and her father, and then I think you got, is it Elijah Wood? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Conor. correct.
2: He's the one that discovers the.
1: Right, you got Elijah Wood. So you got like four or five of these little mini dramas going on, and basically. Because they're so spread out, you're just kind of like, okay, well, I don't like this one. I prefer the other one, or you know, so you have kind of like, you're, you're just waiting for them to jump to the yeah. favorite. Story. Well,
0: it was a, it was a big hit. I mean, it was a hit, and uh, I don't know how big it was. It was. It was you
1: know, a hit, it, and I, what what is I guess noteworthy and should be applauded. It was because uh, it was a DreamWorks movie, and DreamWorks was just speeding up its and up and running. It was the second major feature directed by a female director Mimi Leder. She's actually a good director. I much prefer her first film, uh, uh, Peacemaker, to George Clooney. That's also a formula film, but that has a, her directing of that one is a much more economical and, and, and you know just a little tighter than this stuff.
0: Anything else on that month? Africa's Elephant Kingdom, The Kingdom Part 2. Oh, you got a kingdom theme going on. Louisa May Alcott's Little Men. Shopping for Fangs movie. or Woo?
1: Uh, woo, that's been when Jada Pinkett was like normal and trying to have a career, uh, but it wasn't very, very good. And Little Men, uh, that is based on a book, but it's just, uh, no one likes to say it, but it's an awful book and turned into an awful movie.
0: Woo co-starring Tommy Davidson. What happened to that guy?
1: Uh, he does, I mean, he's, he's, he's like a veteran on the stand-up scene.
0: Uh, Are you still doing stand-up? And-
1: Okay. I,
0: I, have, I haven't seen him advertised or promoted at all in decades. But uh, he was the um, the first celebrity I, I ever saw in Los Angeles was Tommy Davidson in an, Ar- in an Armani store. Okay. May 15th. There's a few movies here that we need to discuss. We'll start with Bullworth.
1: The first, the first 45 minutes are brilliant, and then it kind of um, sputters after the first 45 minutes.
0: When it becomes uh, a love story.
1: Yeah, and then it just kind of well, and then it doesn't really go anywhere with what it's it points. It just kind of like, then it has to kind of play out the, uh, play out the scenario. But that first yeah. 45 minutes of the anger, and the shock of what well. What, uh, the Beatty character—that's a lot of fun, but then it just kind of.
0: Uh, like, yeah, I think like, you're right. I think the the premise that's that was so so hysterically spelled out in the trailers, all that all that was really appealing about the movie. I will tell you, the oddest placement of a Morricone score I've I've, I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> like so true. that
0: movie needs a Morricone score. <laughs> I love Morricone, but.
1: It's one of those, uh, you know. You know, what Beatty wants, Beatty gets, I guess he wanted to work with Mark, uh, which is odd because the actual soundtrack is the best part. The the hip hop soundtrack, uh, Ghetto Superstar, the great summer song. Uh, But But I even remember,
0: I mean, he he's he employed Morricone for Love Affair and he, he loved Morricone. And actually, there's this there's this like three or four disc CD set of Morricone scores that came out in the 90s. And he's Beatty's quoted in the liner notes. I mean, so, you know, he loved him, but the score is just awful for this movie. Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, the one who steals the movie, who keeps that second half watchable, is uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, Don Cheadle's amazing in that movie. Uh, that He kind of keeps you watching. Uh, but, I mean, it's clearly Beatty trying to recall his, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, new Hollywood radicalism and trying to do a throwback to that in his own way. Uh, but like I said, and um it just kind of, like I said, putters out, peters out uh, in the final act. And, uh, James Toback, I guess, did a, uh, I know he did a rewrite, I don't know if he's credited, but I know he did a major rewrite on that, uh, in the first half at least, uh, which should be noted because I think a movie we didn't get mentioned that came out just two weeks before this, in the first of the month, was, um uh, Two Girls and a Guy, the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Was a what came up same week as He Got King, um, and that you uh, know that, that made my top list. That's uh, Robert Downey, one of Robert Downey's greatest performances.
0: Yeah, okay. The biggest hit that was released that day is Robert Redford's The
2: Whisperer. Yeah. another touchstone film. <laughs> <Came> yeah, <in. laughs>
1: amazing. Richard Legraveni's screenplay, uh, he has a couple of amazing screenplays. He has a three this year this is the first one because he also in the fall he has beloved and uh uh, uh uh stepping out loud whatever
0: um you know my least favorite part of the horse whisper <coughs> robert redford
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> not as a director i think it's i think it's beautifully directed and i'm uh, i am interested in the story of the daughter and the mother uh in the crumbling marriage and all of that kind of stuff i'm I'm into that, and Redford directs that with you know he's very very observant director I mean he knows like in little insert shots he could really pump up the drama of a moment i mean he's very smart director, but as an actor, especially in the horse whisper, his need to be fucking worshipped, where he doesn't speak like a normal person, like everything out of his mouth is a wisdom. It annoys the shit out of me.
1: <laughs> you never
0: see it. You never see a real, uh, an actual person.
1: Uh, I think he's fine in the movie. My, my problem with the movie, and, and it's, a, you know, it's a, uh, it's kind of a lazy complaint, uh, but I do think it applies here. I think it's too long. It's a, yeah, too it is definitely. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I'm usually not one to complain about length. I, you know, I, I can tolerate length, but it just—you probably trim this by 10, 15 minutes—and probably would have helped. What is, I guess, noteworthy is that it's a very, very early um, Charlie Johansson, and uh, you could tell—if you go back and watch—you it, you can tell even then that you know she had something extra. As a, as a
0: young the girl with something extra. <laughs> Quest for Camelot came out that day. The only thing I know about this movie, I, mean, I know it's a Warner Brothers animated, but uh, Steve Perry has a great theme song for Quest for Camelot called I Stand Alone. It's great. Mm. I play I think, it often.
1: I think it was nominated for Best Song. I could be wrong. I remember. I just remember 1988 nominees for Best Song for that year are like five of the worst songs.
0: Uh, Not this one. <laughs> uh lawn dogs off the menu the last days of Chasons, which i've seen chasen's though the is the world famous uh well probably not anymore the kind of the hollywood infamous uh
2: west hollywood
0: restaurant yeah restaurant that uh, closed down after serving generations of the biggest stars on the planet
2: yeah.
0: uh i'd recommend it it's a it's a you know i don't know how many bells and whistles the movie has to uh but uh it's a good nostalgia piece now.
1: Yeah. What well, well, what made the, the the documentary fascinating is that the the, the, the documentarian the filmmaker they were smart. They didn't they really didn't bother with the celebrity interviews. They needed mm-hmm. the staff yeah. who had all the stories. Yeah. Know, like, like the main guy, I forget the the main waiter host who uh, he was one of the few guys who was a lot, who could call Sinatra Frank. You know. You
0: know there was uh, the, there's a similar movie that. um came out a couple years ago, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's from the director of the guy that just did the Alan Pakula documentary. You're talking about Off the Menu? Is that Off the Menu? No, that's what we're talking about right now, Off the Menu, The Last Days of Chasens. But Uh, this documentary was about a hotel in New York City.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Chelsea? uh, Yeah, the Royalton or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not the Chelsea. This was an elite. I mean – um, and they, they much the same thing. They interviewed all the staff, but the staff wouldn't share any stories because they they had respect for the famous people they served, so they wouldn't talk out of school. It was which I guess is the appeal of that hotel to those celebrities, you know.
1: If I remember, the the filmmakers of this chasing that I believe these are the ones who would go on to do um, American Splendor. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I was going to bring that up
0: pulcini and uh, Sherry uh, Bergman or whatever Bregman,
1: whatever. Yeah. That's correct. Right. And that another one of, that was that's one of the best films of both three. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good good stuff. Speaking um, of good stuff, not really. May nineteenth. Belong to Gojira.
2: Gojira. <laughs> <laughs> Although bad as bad as it may be, I still prefer it to the one from two thousand what was it, fourteen or something? Uh, because at least they showed Godzilla in that movie, uh, whereas in the 2014 when I think we were 75 minutes into the movie before he appeared, and then he was only in it for, I don't know, maybe a total of 10 minutes <laughs> for the entire runtime. So,
0: I, some of these uh, movies, I, I quit with my experience uh, uh, of managing the movie theaters at the time, and man, the the yeah. amount of people that came out of that theater saying, it's too loud, it's too loud, and and honestly – it was freaking loud. You could be, I could be in my manager's office and I could hear the trembling of the of the bass and everything. It was a loud movie.
1: I I much preferred – I mean, and it's faint praise, but I much preferred the twenty fourteen one because they were using the Jaws principle. Build up, uh, don't have to show it that much to. to yeah,
0: but the- to be honest, this version of Godzilla also calls upon Jaws,
1: but poorly. And, um,
0: yes, <laughs> and, <laughs> I didn't say it did it well.
1: And the only, the only sequence that I remember, I saw the one. The only sequence I remember with any like like that was kind of cool. Is like okay, go that route. there's the the final like chase, and there's like there's a scene where like the then then Jaws' mouth ma- and Godzilla's mouth, mm. and it's like okay, that's kind of. I mean that's that's so absurd. That's that's fun. But until you get to that truly you know, Toho absurdity. I mean, this one like the Deep Impact movie, it takes I mean it dares to take Godzilla seriously. And that's that's the one thing you do not need to do in a Godzilla movie. Uh right. from the Director of Independence Day. Um and Frank and um you know I'm a you know I'm a Matthew Broderick fan, obviously, you know, Ferris Bueller and, and election and all this other stuff, glory and all this stuff. But he's like miscast as the as the the scientist who discovers Godzilla, he's so uh, milk toast. He has no he has no authority whatsoever. If you look at like Independence Day, you know Jeff Goldblum is brainy, but he also has authority. Uh, Matthew Broderick does not.
0: That's true. That is something to consider. That the that because I was about to say, do the humans actually matter in a Godzilla movie? But if you think about Jurassic Park being a similar kind of monster movie. Uh, Spielberg m- makes those characters uh, specific. You know, they pop.
2: I think Election came out the next year, so maybe that's why he retreated to smaller films. I don't know, maybe.
1: Yeah. Good I mean, I mean, they, I'm sure I mean, it, it sounded like fun and it was a change of pace. And, and, and I mean, Broderick has done the big movies. I mean, War Games was a big movie. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, and so he, you know, I'm sure he thought it was a, a good idea. And this is, like I said, this is the follow up to Independence Day.
0: Tower oh, Heist, come on. Tower high. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's not yeah.
0: bad speaking of which uh, off topic just for two seconds they've been test screening Beverly Hills Cop 4 and the test screening has gone through the roof so they're thinking of instead of releasing it next year like they're thinking of they're of doing it this year because people are saying it's really funny so here's hoping so,
1: I mean I guess it'd be an, it'd be another I mean the first one was a Christmas release so there
0: you go May 22nd two movies Worth noting, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Didn't see it.
1: <laughs> uh, I actually saw it uh, twice in theaters, and not because I was like a, you know, a, a diehard Hunter S. Thompson. I really don't like Hunter S. Thompson, but I did wind up seeing. I saw it with a friend, and I saw it with my dad. And um,
0: which of those screenings not, did you take acid?
1: <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a Terry Gilliam, you know, devotee. Me neither. Um. I admire some of his, I will say his 90 stuff is probably the peak because basically you get Fisher King, which is a good movie. Not perfect, but there's great, there's greatness in Fisher King. And then his best movie is, um, 12 Monkeys. I think that's his best movie. Um, and then, of course, you get, you get this. And then, um, I just bought that Criterion Brazil Blu ray. Um, I'm gonna, I have not cracked it open, but I wanna, I, I saw that once when I was a kid didn't really get it didn't so i want to give it another chance i haven't watched that again uh but going on this film um there's stuff in it that is admirable because it's so out there and it is in keeping with the book uh johnny Depp's performance is one of those go for broke performances that you do that is pretty astonishing but it doesn't really um by the end it doesn't add up to a lot but it's not uh worst of the year i know it made some critics worse i know it made a lot of best of the year and i know it made a lot of worst of the year i'm in the middle i don't think it's obviously best of the year and i never thought it was worst of the year but because there is good stuff
0: adam any thoughts on
2: it i didn't really respond to it at all when i saw it i saw it when it came out i just didn't it just didn't do anything for me and uh hunter s thompson his writing is hit or miss for me sometimes i think he's brilliant when he did the uh a write-up after the passing of Richard Nixon I laughed till I literally fell on the floor I thought it was hysterical but then you know some of his other stuff is just not for me so I, I don't know it just didn't really uh resonate for me I appreciated some of the visuals but uh just just wasn't it was an I, what I perceived to be an unfilmable book and it was pretty much uh a movie that shouldn't have been made <laughs> from what that was my takeaway but I don't know, I may feel differently now. Maybe I should revisit it on a Ant- fan. so
0: who knows Antares Thompson has has one mention in my book. Mhm. Yeah. I, uh, he interviewed keep, a uh, a woman that uh, had an affair with Nixon. So he, he has a place in my book for that.
1: I, I keep meaning to go and watch um, Where the Buffalo Roam, which is kinda of like the other kind of version of Fear and Low in Las Vegas, but with Bill Murray, uh, and yeah. Peter Boyle. But I've uh I've yet to
0: the Opposite of Sex came out that day. Uh, I do recall this movie a little bit. Even more so, I recall the all the promotion for it, which was Christina Ricci in a bikini.
1: Mm-hmm. I, did, I did not like this movie. This is one of those very... This is one of those Exhibit A Sundance... Uh, right, right. ...black comedy oozing with irony, but at the end it actually... The irony is masking some heartfelt emotion kind of thing. I mean, it's just kind of your, your, what you would, you're getting a big, big sensation out of Sundance. And, you know, they thought it would be like this alternative, like indie hit. And, um, I just, I just didn't like it. Uh, I guess I didn't like it. Um, it's just too ironic for my own taste. Um, the other Christina Ricci movie that comes out this summer, that we'll get to in a little bit, uh, is has similar tropes but it's lacking the irony so therefore i think it's a much more emotionally uh uh stirring film has has definitely had more humanity
0: essentially i'm against anything that's the opposite of sex that's what uh, yeah. that's where i've won this i may 29
2: i was oh, gonna go say ahead. i kind of liked it uh i remember i, I didn't didn't love it, wasn't over the moon about it, but I, I thought it had its its moments when I saw it way back then. But then again, I haven't seen it in 25 years, so again, my opinions may be different now. So anyway.
1: And I this was the, uh, the Lisa Kudrow movie. And at the time, she was the last friend who hadn't done a movie mm-hmm. since the launch of the show. They were all getting their movie, uh, and so she went the indie route. So that was also the, a little bit of the movie's cachet.
0: May 29th. Chris Farley and Matthew Perry and Almost Heroes I would assume this is another disposable I, I don't remember anything about it
2: yeah it was the last film of Chris Farley's it was made before his uh, finished uh, he was dead by the time it came out so that right, was the big selling right. point on it was the final film of Chris Farley and uh, directed by Chris Guest I believe really yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. all I know is I can't believe uh, Chris Farley's gone and Matthew Perry's still walking the earth
0: yeah I used to think he had, he had I think yeah, I used to think he had great comic timing he had like he had kind of like kind of like Matthew J Fox vibes mm-hmm. Michael J Fox vibes for me for a while.
2: Can you imagine what, uh, what the drug intake was on that set between the two of them? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> Mind boggles. That may that may have something to do with the uh, the uh, the final product or, or why it didn't quite uh, make no. the grade. Don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, the biggest hit that opened that day was Hope Floats, yes. Sandra Bullock, directed by who? Forrest Whitaker. Forrest right, himself. okay.
1: Which, uh, it always bugs me that people always, uh, Forrest Whitaker's directorial debut, they always say Hope Floats, and that's not true. Uh, his directorial debut was an HBO movie, a terrific HBO movie, called Strapped, uh, which is about uh, uh, the easy accessibility of uh,
2: firearms
1: in the uh, inner city. That's a great movie, an underrated TV movie, but they always talk about this one. And it's just, it's one of those, uh, you know, genteel southern, quirky comedies. Uh, I mean, it's it's not offensive, it's just not memorable. Yeah, that was my remembrance of it. Uh,
0: Harry Connick Jr. cast as the love interest. Uh, Last Days of Disco, Whit Stillman.
1: Great movie great movie uh i love the wood stillman talk trilogy of uh metropolitan barcelona and last days of disco uh this was uh, you know that <laughs> incredibly that summer uh had these kind of a, it was like a disco trilogy because it was this film and um 54 and uh uh, uh which was book here by harvey Weinstein. Um, uh, there were a of, uh,
0: Do we uh, know that for sure, though? I mean, we know that it was cut a lot by Harvey Weinstein, but has th- there was there a director's cut release
2: of that? Yeah, I have yeah. it, and uh, it's okay. actually not bad. Uh, it's not great, but there's a lot more Michael okay. Meyer, Mike Myers, in it, and okay. it's. Uh, I think uh, he's pretty good in it. He's the best thing about it, and it's a shame they cut him out of. He's
1: it. the best thing. He's the best thing in this in the in the version that even got theatrically. Yeah, there is a uh, a director's cut. I think it's like twenty. 30 minutes longer it's yeah it's a, quite good a bit yeah chunk, quite a bit longer now it doesn't turn it into a masterpiece but no. it does tur- it turns it into an actual movie with the beginning middle and end yeah that's which,
2: true that's a good assessment
1: uh but last day, but back to last day of the disco like i said great movie uh kate beckinsale uh this showed what she could have she, she could have been a great actress uh unfortunately she married the wrong guy and you know, did all those underworld movies, which is, I mean, it's fine. I mean, she seems to like that. But, I mean, if you look at this, you look at her, an aviator, I mean, she had this stuff to be a real glamour yeah. movie star.
2: Snow uh, Angels, Chloe too. Savini. With uh, David Gordon right. Green. I think yeah. it's great. But anyway, go on. Right. Sorry. Uh,
1: <laughs> Chloe, yeah. No, Chloe Savini, she's terrific in it. Uh, Chris Eigman is a great actor, great delivery of dialogue. And like I said, I just, it's a it's a real talk. For, and it, and that has probably, after Saturday Night Fever, Probably the best disco soundtrack. If you do, if you buy the soundtrack of The Last Day of the Disco, you pretty much have the, the all you need for a disco compilation at a party. is that soundtrack. It's pretty amazing. I
0: wonder if why how he was able to get the rights to all that stuff on his limited bu- budget.
1: Yeah. That was, I, I think, most of the money went to that. And at that time, you know, you could make, you know, if you're an indie movie and you get the concept. I mean, that was part of the the, the P, that was part of the publicity was this amazing soundtrack. And so the, the studio, I believe it was uh, Polygram, I think, did it, or Grammar, uh-huh, one of those. Uh-huh. And so they really, you know, they're like, nope, we're going to make this like a big soundtrack, you know. You know, because, you know, in the 90s, I mean, it, you had this whole thing open up where even the, the indie films soundtracks was like a little mini cottage industry with, be a yeah. And a train so Disco was one
0: of those. Next weekend, June 5th, Mr. Jealousy, which was uh, Noah Baumbach's second film as a writer director.
1: Terrific movie. Yep. I, ha- I just bought that uh, Blu ray. Uh, I found it uh, on uh, cheap on Hamilton Books for like six bucks. Um, uh, terrific movie. Eric Schultz, who's Noah Bombach's muse, one of his muse. Uh, Annabella Shure, great, terrific Annabella Shure, underrated actress and um it's not as good as his first film, which is kicking and, and screaming, which i uh, i love but it is a good it's not a sophomore slump movie The it, it it's uh, it's it's a good movie it's and uh, it's basically a guy who uh thinks his his girlfriend is having an affair and so he joins uh, they broke up and so he joins the uh i think it's a creative writing class of her new, what do you think is her new boyfriend keep, and they become friends. So it's kind of this weird little triangle that goes on. So I mean, it's a very early Noah Bombach film, but it's very, very good.
0: Okay. Uh, next up, A Perfect Murder, Michael Douglas. I enjoyed it. It's form, formulatic, formulaic. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but you, the thing that I enjoyed about it was Michael Douglas... Fully embracing his sleaze, I, I, I think he's he's so sleazy confident in this movie. I love I love watching him in that.
1: Yeah, well, this is this is kind of in line with this goes on that list alongside Gordon Gecko and yeah. uh, and uh, the character from Fatal Attraction, even the character from
0: um, Well, Basic the Instinct is in, kind of
1: in the, in the game. You know, these kind of he no one portrays uh, wealth. Uh, Probably better than Michael Douglas in this period, and uh, Paltrow is very much in the um, Grace Kelly uh, mold. Mm-hmm. This type of story
0: isn't this a remake of a?
1: Yeah, Dialing is. for Murder.
0: Dialing for Murder, right?
1: The, the one who sticks out, who they really needed to go for that third movie star, um, it's the the boyfriend, is Viggo Mortensen. That he's so kind of um, he's a little too gritty for this story. Probably they should have gone for another major movie star and done a true movie star for that role too. But he's a little too—he's a little too punk rock uh, for the type of movie that is. Um, but it, I mean, it has—who directed that? I can't even remember though. Do you know do, 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 oh, who do it?
0: Oh, I can see that? his face. Hmm. <sighs> uh,
1: yeah. But this was part of um uh, she had a kind of a her, her lead up to Shakespeare in Love at the end of the year because she had just done the movie Andrew the Davis
0: fugitive that, oh Andrew yeah, Davis
1: okay. so that. It, was a, it was a return to form it's
0: better than Steel Big Steel Little
1: right and then Chain <laughs> Reaction
0: so that's another wanted. poster
1: uh, but uh, she yeah, had, had a couple had... of movies okay she did, she did Hush a couple of months earlier with Jessica Lange uh, and then she does this Right. In love.
0: And as I was watching it, I was like, you know, one day I'm going to be able to buy a candle that smells like her vagina. I mean, I knew it back then when I was watching a perfect murder. Uh, also on that day, the Truman show, the biggest, uh, critical hit that we've discussed so far. Certainly. Mm-hmm.
1: Great movie. 4k just came out. Yep, it's probably, a- uh, Better now than it was then. Then it was, you know, it was a little even far fetched for some, even though if, I mean, you saw. Wasn't it was Ed different.
0: TV, or was that the year before?
1: Mm, that was the Yeah, was it the same year? That's the following year. No, was the following, following year. year. Okay. Okay. Uh, but now it's more, uh, you know, like I said, it, it rings more accurate now than it did then. Um, great film. Great. Uh, well, Peter Weir. Peter Weir is just one of those great, film, you know, one of those unsung great filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the only thing, my only complaint at the time, and I still complain, even though I'm now a huge fan of hers, uh, I don't like Laura Lenny in that movie. I think she's one note, and I know she's supposed to be one note because of that character, and I, I get that. But she. Uh, <laughs> She, uh, she,
0: just, she she plays a one-note role with that one very, note.
1: she's very she was a for a while there she was a very shrill actress like in that and in primal fear um, she, she didn't have any any shading to her performances mystic River another bad Laurel. but then she did a movie called PS that I saw and I was like okay that's the great Laura Lenny And then I've been a fan since then, but in this period, I was not a Laura Lenny fan.
0: Uh, can't hardly wait. June 12th.
1: John Hughes knockoff and not a very yeah. good one. Um, it has a couple of moments. Uh, I've always, I, I, I have a soft spot for Charlie Cosmo Uh, the main kid, uh, thought he's a good actor, but he, he, he purposely left the business, but he's a good actor than Dick Tracy and a couple other movies. And then the, um, Uh, the girl who gets stuck in the bathroom, um, uh, she was on six feet under. She was also Mm. really good. Um, but that's about it. Uh, what is, what hasn't aged well in that movie, they use, um, a gay slur in that Mm. movie quite, uh, a few times for comic effect. And, um, I remember even then when I saw the movie, I was like, that just seems a little, unnecessary that just seemed a little unnecessary yeah um, uh, but yeah but i know for the kids i know they're the young people of 1998 uh i mean i know that's a touchstone movie but like for them but like i said uh the john hughes movies did that stuff far far better
0: cousin bet jessica lang and elizabeth shoe also came out that day <clears throat> do we have anything to say about that
1: i never saw it actually surprisingly good surprisingly good it's a good it's a, it's a kind of one of the it's like a saucy period
0: um yeah. costume drama. Yeah.
1: Really really good. Jessica I mean Jessica Lange is kind of made for that type of uh story. And Elizabeth Shue surprisingly um fits into that period piece quite well. It's, it's Dirty
0: fun. Work. Norm oh. Macdonald, Don Rickles, Artie Lange.
2: Yep. Hi. Awful
1: awful Popular.
2: I was going to say, I, th- I think it has its moments. It's not great, but I, I, I laughed a couple of times and, um, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I, <laughs>
0: Norm Macdonald might be one of those guys might have been one of those guys, <laughs> which obviously he probably was judging from the output, but one of those, cause I find him funny. I always
2: did. I do too. And he's funny in this, I think,
0: but he's funny in a really slow burn kind of way.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, I maybe he's somebody you can't you can't bring that out in a movie.
1: Yeah. You know, he's, he's kind of like he's kind of like John Lovitz in movies like John Lovitz in League of Their Own or Happiness. He, he's hilarious in like 10, 15 minute is a ten fifteen minute chunk.
0: Yeah. Uh, but but with Norm Macdonald, it takes 10, 15 minutes to get him. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. John Lovitz is, ah, yeah, he'll, he'll yeah. pop off the zinger, but Norm MacDonald isn't like one of those kind of comedians.
2: Well, Dirty Work has a cult following to the point where oh, yeah. I know they were getting ready to do a sequel when uh, Norm passed away because uh, Bob Saget had said they were ready to just go before cameras. like the, the script
0: I, I, was I do love watching the outtakes with Brickles.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then
0: true. when Rickles starts to talk to the food in Artie Lang's stomach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello in there. Uh, that's okay. Robbins. Also, on yeah. that day, uh, okay, do we want to say anything about Dong? I think I've said enough about Dong. <laughs> uh, High Art, The Land Girl's Passion in the Desert. Anything? High,
1: High, High Art. Art.
0: Is that the Alishidi yeah. lesbianism yeah. movie? Got very that's good Ryan reviews. From... I just didn't see it.
1: Uh, that's a great movie. Uh, I mean, she was, I mean, uh, if they had had a little more money and tried a little harder, maybe, maybe if they would released it in the fall, she probably would have gotten an Oscar nomination. Uh, she's that good. Uh, Patricia Clarkson, um uh, is great in that movie. And Roda Mitchell, um, it's just, uh, that's, uh, Lisa Cholodenko. And it's just, it's a very, Smart film about the art world and type personality that it attracts. Um, you no, know, and Ally Sheedy is great. I mean, her she got the Indie Spirit Award, deservedly so, and mm-hmm. um, it should have garnered her more work. Um, I don't know what happened, but uh, no, High Art's an amazing movie.
0: The biggest, uh, highest profile release that uh, day if only because uh, it concerned another uh, element of lesbianism was, uh, 67 nights.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And that was all off screen. Cause it's not in the movie. Um, uh, and Hey, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. Um, he's a good comic actor. I yeah. Mean, we do more yeah. comedy. Uh, I don't know if he just doesn't take them or they don't
0: offer Man, them. Man, I just well, I just rewatched. It's a movie I love. It's 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 like The Intern in that it's like a it's like a surface kind of movie that uh, I just adore not because of any depth but just the joy of actually just watching it is um Morning Glory. And Harrison Ford is so funny in Morning Glory. It's him
1: and, and is that is that Maggie Gyllenhaal? That's Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? The, no, no,
0: no, it's Diane Keaton and Rachel McAdams and, yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: McAdams. Okay, it's McAdams. Yeah, and Diane Keaton. Yeah, no. Great in that. Well, and then Working Girl. He's working in Working Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mike Nichols film. And so, yeah, here, here he's good. I even like the, the, whoa, well, the, the sorely forgotten, um, but he's really good in, uh, Hollywood Homicide. Uh, that came out <laughs> the Uh, he's real good in He's real good in that. And that's a, that's a fun kind of berserk comedy book. Uh, <laughs>
0: It's not a good movie, but there there is a line in Hollywood Hobbitside Side that Harrison Ford says that I just crack, cracks it, cracks me up. It's when they're going in and all the women. He's te- what's his name? Hartnett. He's okay. teaching the yoga class and all of these hot women in skimpy tights and everything, and Hartnett's like selling his his uh, his service to Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford's looking around saying, "What the hell is this?" and and uh, he said, "I help these women. It's it's really deep." And uh, Harrison Ford's like, "And shallow." <laughs> yeah, he's a fun, he's a funny actor. But six days, seven nights, uh, it's fine. Yeah, he's the best part of the movie, and it's a it's a throwback. It's, it feels like a throwback movie, and 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 uh, she kind of typifies that uh, that girl that girl from those kinds of movies from from decades ago. You know the kind, the kind of the yeah. Carol uh, Lombard. Yes. Uh, you know, belong, what Kate Capshaw
1: does in the Temple of Doom. That's think. exactly it. Yeah. And uh, so, so it's not them that's the problem. The problem is it's just uh, it uh, it's a little too formulaic, and so they just had a little more maybe a twist to this to the to the formula. It might have uh, taken off uh, a little more. It doesn't doesn't work that.
0: Okay. Way. The next weekend. Do we have anything to say about Dream Foreign and ins- an Insomniac? Have plenty or Henry Fool?
1: Uh, well, Henry Fool was that that got a lot of press because that was going to be that was hyped as um uh, uh Hal Hartley's breakout movie. Uh-huh. Hal Hartley had been on the fringes of indie movies for. A, and a lot of indie directors, you know, use him as say he's inspired them that they could do their movie. Like Kevin Smith paid a lot of tribute to Hal Hartley. Um And so this was going to be his big breakthrough movie. And like the critics even were really high on it. Um, I saw it. I don't get it. I,
0: I I wonder when when bad filmmakers say, you gave me the confidence that I could do it myself, if they still take that as a form of flattery.
1: I thing is, I mean, Hal Hartley. Really?
0: I'm responsible for you.
1: <laughs> apparently, Hal Hartley is like the reason he, cause he still works. He still, makes, and I've, always, I asked, I was once at a dinner party and I asked a, another critic, what's the thing with Hal Hartley? I don't get it. And I go, is it Europe? And they're like, yes. He's like, you know, it's kind of like Camino in in Italy. You know, they they take care of him in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, there you go so Hal Hartley can still get his movies made. Uh, but it, it's I, I didn't think it was that good a movie.
0: Mulan, where does Mulan fit in the pantheon of modern day Disney animated?
1: Um, I mean it's beautifully drawn. Obviously, uh, the story is the story is good. It's um, I mean, but it's coming in the wake of what Pocahontas, back in the day, Hercules. I mean those are great. Hooky
0: leaves. Hookie leaves.
1: And then uh but okay. Milan kind of uh is it's kinda of, it's kinda of odd to say but it's it's, it's almost kinda of slight compared to
0: Yeah. It's not a musical, is it? Is it was it a musical? It
1: wasn't wasn't. It, it not a flat out but it does have some songs. I mean it does have a couple of songs in there. But it's it's more it's more serious like um like Huntbreaker Not a Date. Yeah um uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a couple of those, there's a couple of those late '90s uh, Disney movies. They're they're really good, but they're they're not as indelible as some of those early '90s ones. Because so, I think the following summer is um, Tarzan, um, oh. yeah, with Phil Collins, yeah, Oscar-winning you'll,
0: you'll be in my heart, Aaron. Just know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: also on that day, the X Files fight the future. Now that's the first X Files feature film, right? Yeah. The um... yes, right.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. So it, it,
1: it's, it's good. I mean, uh, I was, uh, it's one of, it, it, what, what was interesting about it is that, cause I was not a, uh, X-Files devotee. Uh, you know, I'd seen an episode here and there or whatever. So if you went to the movie, having not been a follower of the show, the movie worked on its own. It had a good relationship. It had a good little mystery. Uh, and so it had, it had a lot of, it had a lot of atmosphere and suspense. So the movie worked on its, uh, on its own terms. Uh, but I'm told that if you were a ride or die X Files fan, I mean, the movie just was like amazing to you.
0: But uh-huh, uh-huh. so it worked both ways. Oh yeah, there were people there were people that were extremely geekish about the show, and so obviously it translated into the movie. Here's here's a little known fact. Adam and I have been to one of the filming locations of X Files: Fight the Future.
2: Yes, we did. Right.
0: It's a bar. It's a bar scene. Yep.
2: Sure
0: did. Our mutual friend Rick went with us, and Rick is a huge X-Files fanatic, and so he wanted to sit in the same seat at the bar that David Duchovny sat in, and damn it, we made that happen.
1: <laughs> I, will, I will say... The-
0: Hang on, I'm not done.
1: <laughs>
0: the other thing that's interesting about that bar is there's a little, like, wooded, uh, wooded paneling room in there, and they told us that James Cameron shot a pickup shot for Titanic in that little room of the captain.
1: I would just say that because of that movie, I did watch the new season that started in 88. Uh I mean, I didn't watch the whole scene, but I did watch it, you know, for a few weeks and it had one of the best episodes of television I ever saw. Um, I forget the name of the episode, but it's the episode where each segment of this episode, each 15 minute block was one take. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing episode.
0: Okay, uh, June twenty-six, Buffalo sixty-six.
1: Yes, made my top ten list that year. It's an amazing film, probably the best uh, directorial effort, directorial debut of that year. Um, I, I love that movie. I mean, Vincent honestly, Gallo, right? Yeah, Vincent Gallo. Obviously, we can, you know, go back and forth about what we think of Vincent Gallo uh polit- you know, his political views or his any of his views really. Um but I kind of block that out. If you if you just judge this movie on its own, it's an amazing movie. He's terrific in it. He he has the raw rhythms of early De Niro. He looks like uh one critic described him and it's great descriptors, Bruce Springsteen's psychotic cousin. Uh it's kind of his look. And uh, this is the Christina Ricci performance that's just amazing. Uh and then it, it has this you know, this kind of uh recall some of those whacked out family dramas by Cassavetes where you got Gazara and Angelica Houston as, you know, parents from hell. And you know you know, the indie world and the Sundance world we get we have a ton of these dysfunctional family comedy dramas and they are a dime a dozen. But this one sticks out. This one has because Gallo's visual style is so uh, arresting, you just, this is the, you know, this is one that separates itself from the pack. Great use of, uh, his score is terrific. Great use of prog music, King Crimson and Yes, and some other songs are on there. Stan Getz is on the soundtrack. Um, and a great, you know, cast of like just weird indie Star Wars. I mean, Chan Michael Vincent, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Corrigan, um, uh, just kind of this crack fairy tale. It kind of has a little bit of a... It's, it's the best movie Jim Jarmusch never made, basically.
0: Uh, and Adam, what do you think of it?
1: i must say I never
2: saw it. I never okay. did. So.
0: Did you see Dr. Doolittle, Adam?
2: Uh, Yeah, I didn't think much of it. Uh, <laughs> of course, maybe I'm not the intended audience, but I didn't get a lot of enjoyment out I of that. that.
1: I saw that advanced screening. It's funny. I, I mean, I haven't seen it then, but I did laugh at the at that one, I did not see the sequel or no, the Robert that. Downey reboot, uh, but I did remember did laughing at the uh, the first one.
0: Smoke Signals. Did you like that one, Adam or no, uh, Aaron?
2: See Smoke Signals.
1: either. So. I did. Um, uh, terrific. I mean, um, we you know, there's a nice little subgenre of these kind of indie Native American movies. Is that movie Wow Highway? Uh, War Party is another movie, uh, but Smoke Signal is really really has a, the first film of note of um, Adam Beach, who's a good good actor. Uh, but no, it's it's a very it has a very wry sense of humor. It's kind of at the time uh, it was being compared to uh, She's Got to Have It, the Spike Lee film, yeah, uh, first film, and um, it, it should have started a little movement, um, but it didn't. But uh, it is a It is a a really good – unlike I was talking about earlier, Dancer, you know, Dancer, Texas, Population 81. This is also kind of one of those small-town slice-of-life movies, but it has so much more um, vitality
0: in it. Yeah. Okay. Also on that day, a big turning point for Steven Soderbergh, George Clooney, and Jennifer Lopez in their careers out of sight.
1: Yes.
2: I did like this. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) finally a
0: movie a movie we found this summer that is worth talking about yes no that's not true there's several but
1: but yeah out
0: out of sight is uh a really great poppy movie
1: yes um yeah so the advanced screening. uh everyone just kind of was blown away by it i remember at the time at the screening i saw everyone most people liked it but i do remember people in the lobby like they were talking about okay how did that timeline work out? Cause it has this very pretzel timeline of the flashbacks and you're trying to get the chronology in order. Um, but if you pay attention, it's pretty easy to, to follow, but it is good. I will say this. I mean, I know people love out of sight. and I love out of sight too. Um, I will say this though. I, I, I don't subscribe to the belief that they, that this or Jackie Brown is the best Elmore Leonard adaptation. Um, I think they're terrific adaptation of Elmore Leonard. Uh, I stand by, um, the one that truly gets the sweaty desperation of Elmore Leonard's writing is still 52 pickup.
0: Burt Reynolds heat. Oh God, I got that totally wrong.
2: <laughs> I just no, saw 52 <laughs> pickup for the first time, actually about a week ago. It's new on blu-ray and uh,
1: I enjoyed it. John that is, Glover.
0: That's... Talk about slimy.
1: Yeah, John is,
0: Glover is, uh, in that movie. Jeez.
1: I, I, I quote a couple of his lines to this day. The, um, uh uh when he when Roy Scheider says I'm gonna give you my Jag and he's like, Ooh, that's that's mighty white of you sport. That's mighty Whitey uh which I guess I, I think is a great line and then the the other great line he has is when he shows him the snuff fill, he's like, I wish we had some popcorn or lemonade, but we're kind of a low budget production. Uh yeah, John Glover is just He's like the villain
0: of the year. I mean, yeah. you know, he's just one of the great villains in that movie. Yeah, and I, I never thought I'd see uh, Anne Margaret uh, hooked on H in a movie. I mean, I, I didn't think that would be <laughs>
2: That's true. possible. Good
0: point. Anyway, so out of sight. Yeah, one of the great sleeper hits of that summer. One of the great stories that came out of that cinematic summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, good, good movie. And it feels like, you know, it feels like, A turning point, as I said, like Soderbergh hits his kind of mainstream stride Mm -hmm. and they finally figure out how to make George Clooney a movie star. I mean, I say finally, but it didn't take that long. But, you know, there was like it was a rocky start. So uh, but out of sight just got it just right. The Mm -hmm. Steve Steve McQueen with kind of like a sarcastic, you know, humor to him.
1: Yeah, a little edge. And he kind of, well, and he told Clooney, okay, uh, I think one of the things he told Clooney is that uh, I don't want you to bob your head
0: anymore. Right.
1: You're not going to move your head
0: anymore. I can, always, your head. I can always tell where an actor's stress is. You know, if they're really good, they don't really have any str- uh, stress points. But uh, with uh, Kiefer Sutherland, he used to be bobbing his head forward. With George Clooney, it's bobbing it side by side anytime he'd walk. There's some people it's in the mouth, their stress, you know, the mouth gets all tense and stuff. Yeah, so that's a good point. All right. Good mouth acting is what I'm saying. (laughs) Armageddon is July 1st. I do remember Disney sending all the theater exhibition people to screen 30 minutes of Armageddon, like earlier in the year. And I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's gonna be fantastic <laughs> because that's what that's what he makes. Michael Bay makes sizzle reels into two and a half hour movies, yeah that's true. and yeah. what we saw was an actual sizzle reel of the sizzle reels. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how could you and not think that movie's gonna be the most incredible thing ever
1: and so I like going back to double uh, deep impact um where that movie just took itself so seriously and was so somber. Here's so now we get this film, which clearly doesn't take anything seriously, and it goes off the rails the other way because it's just so uh, berserk. I mean, it's like uh, you know, there's, there's, it does it's a movie that does not breathe, um, and so you just right. kind of like overwhelmed. The the one element in the film that the, the one person who manages to carve out a character a personality a calmness is a uh, Billy Bob Thornton as the head of NASA. He manages to amazingly carve out like some kind of personality and a character in that, uh, with his performance. And, uh, you're kind of relieved every time he, uh, you know, has this like little two minute bits in there. Um, so yeah, I, am I, you know, just like the other thing, I'm not, not big on Deep Impact. I'm not big on this film, but I, I mean, I do know people. You know, they, it, you know, it's Jets versus Sharks. You know, which media which asteroid movie do you prefer? And you know, I I kind of <sighs> was astonished that you know these are these are not two movies worth fighting over. Uh, right. But, no, I weird. mean, and of course, and who
0: among us did not get sick to death of I don't want to miss
1: a thing? You know, one of the one of the worst things. You know, it's a it's a double sword Catch twenty two for, for for rock bands because every you know everyone wants a number one single. That's the goal. You want to have a number one single, and uh, and uh, so here Aerosmith finally got their number one single with this song. And to a point, you know, from this point on, in every concert, they have to perform this song. Well,
0: they they career. probably made more money from that one song than their whole anything in their entire mm-hmm. career.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm sure they're thankful for that. But I'm sure they don't regret it
1: it's an awful it's an awful it's an awful song uh it's an awful song uh, and
0: uh, come on sing a little bit Aaron. <laughs> and,
1: uh, well and uh, let's not forget that this film along with the rock
0: uh oh that's infam- a bad song too well
1: uh, <laughs> inf- infamously got the criterion treatment yeah
0: yeah but a- the commentary worth it on the criterion yeah. ben affleck bad bad talk at the bay and the movie itself yeah it's pretty good
2: uh it's true and, and does anybody remember yeah. Lawrence Tierney being uh in the scene deleted scene being the uh the, he was he's uh bruce willis's father it's on the uh the that's theory, good casting actually yeah
0: that's a I good actually... good good choice to play bruce willis's father mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: all right yeah, july 10th came a documentary if you see this clip of uh quentin tarantino on um Probably Colbert, he's asked what documentary would you recommend to people in the video store, and he said this one hands on a hard body." It's documentary about this you know this car lot, and the contest is you got to keep your hands on this truck, and the the person that's left at the end of 24 hours or whatever with his hand still on the truck wins the truck. Yes. Also notable because this was going to be Robert Altman's last film, yes. and he died while developing it.
1: Yeah, um, the, the fun story on that, or the backstory on uh it opened in, but um, it played a... Uh, it started off in Austin, and it played there like a year um, before it, like, caught on. Um, like, I remember... Because it was the summer of 99 is when uh, it started getting, like, wide distribution. Um, but it was like it had played in Austin for, like, a year. Um, and so, because I remember I... I started hearing about it in the summer of 99 to the point we met me and my friends, we actually drove to Austin to go see it. Uh, and like I said, it is a terrific doc. I don't, I can Tarantino's a little hyperbolic is the best dock ever. Uh, but it is a terrific doc. And it is, the material is ideal for the Altman treatment. And, uh, the, the, it's not 24 hours. It's actually who could be there the longest. So, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I think, the, but it, it is a good dock. Um, but, yeah, um, it is, it's, I mean, it's very colorful. So, yeah. uh, I okay,
0: also on that day, Lethal Weapon 4, which I felt... Oh, God, I can tell I felt differently than Aaron already, which I thought was better than it had any reason to be. And, a, and an improvement over the third.
1: Um, I, I just think it's too busy. I just think it's way too busy, too many characters. Um and frankly, it should have ended with the third. In that, the the arc of *Lethal Weapon* is the is the Mel Gibson Rick character. The first one he's suicidal. The second one he uh, he's not suicidal, but now he he's trying to find a, a, a you know romance, basically, and trying to find his own way again. And they kill his girlfriend, and uh, so that doesn't work. And by the third one. He does meet someone that he's going to settle down and start a family with. That's how the, and that's how the third one ends, and that's, that's the arc of the character, that's his complete redemption. So this fourth one feels like just, there's nothing to it, there's, there's no more development of either character in this one anymore. It's just now, it's, now it's become like television, it's just like, you know, the next season. And, uh, it just doesn't, nothing action-wise, I mean, I don't remember any of the action scenes I can remember even three, which is flawed, which is not great. I can remember at least a couple of those action sequences. I don't remember anything from the one four
0: well I sure do that 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 freeway scene is pretty good,
1: yeah
2: I agree it's a step up from three I totally agree uh three was probably my least favorite of the entire series so. mine
0: too but this yeah. but this one's funny it's charming. Mm-hmm. It's, you know it has it has touching moments in it uh I mean you yeah. know. I thought it was really well executed. Mm-hmm. Especially for a fourth of anything. Yeah. Well, now
1: we got the fifth one. Supposedly. Maybe.
0: Maybe. I mean, they they've talked about it, but they they're they never seem to be working on
2: it. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Love letter, Madeline. Small soldiers.
1: Uh, Madeline, um script uh perfect Family film based on the book. Uh, it's really, really good. Killian's book, children's book, classic. Uh, no, Madeline's really good. Small Soldiers. Um, it has its moment. now
0: Which one of that? It's it's the it's the it's the guy that did Wolfman. Dante. Joe Dante. No, it's,
1: it's Joe Dante. Um, it's just you know. Now, so this is a weird movie in that there are people there. Dante did cults. that? Yeah, he did.
0: I <laughs> guess he did. Yeah.
1: His DreamWorks there? production, one of their early.
0: Who was the Wolfman guy, the other Spielberg protege, Joe Johnston? Okay, Joe that's Johnson. what I'm thinking. Okay.
1: Uh, but, but there is a the cult of Joe Dante uh, out there that, and they swear. I love him. I love Joe, but they swear by Small Soldiers as a as an unsung masterpiece. I, uh, the much revered uh, critic Jonathan Rosenbaum, uh, uh, uh he had he proclaimed Small Soldiers better. A better war movie than, um, another war movie that we're gonna to get to in probably in about two weeks, uh, here. Uh, so there's that. Uh, like I said, it is good. The special effects are terrific. And the best thing in it is Tommy Lee Jones. As a
0: Tommy Lee Jones, as a Jones is in Small Soldier? I, obviously, I don't remember. I remember watching this movie. I screened it. Yeah,
1: it's Phil Hartman's last movie, voice. too. Yeah, he's the voice of the,
0: um, of the oh.
1: military. Chip
0: okay. Maybe I should he's check a, this out again. Um. Okay. Pi came out that day.
2: Oh, great movie! Yeah, that is. Wouldn't a good that one. have been
0: Wouldn't that have been better off being released on March 14th? Right. <laughs> uh, great. They just,
1: um, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I love
0: a, I love a good
2: math joke. That was good.
1: They just had a what a one night only, 25th anniversary screening. Yeah, they, in certain markets. They've
2: done a restoration. Uh, He's been working on that for a while. 4K restoration. Yeah. So,
1: uh, I'm waiting for the 4K to come out. Uh, I love Pi. Great score. Just, it's a great paranoid thriller. And it's probably one of the best calling card movies. You know, uh, I think the following year we got Following by, like, uh, Christopher Nolan, which is an interesting film and it's clearly a calling card movie, but it's not as good as Pi. Pi is just, uh, you know, Pi is just like, it's, it's literally one of those, uh, early 70s paranoia thrillers uh yeah. just terrific and you could tell he would kiss from that that he was going to be a major filmmaker
0: now which one do you prefer pie or that jennifer aniston movie cake which which one is <laughs> preferable to you <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> okay i will say whatever then the last movie on that list uh for that day uh was well reviewed by siskel niebert and, and i remember uh would probably had not taken notice of it had they not mentioned it and uh, spoke glowingly of it, and I'm quite a fan of that one as well. It's one of those typical things they were doing around that time about a teen, you know, with, uh, her carefree sex, drugs, all that type stuff, and uh, it takes place in the early 80s before fears of AIDS and all that, and uh, Frederick Forrest is in that, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, this movie. Did, didn't make a lot, of money, a lot of money, but whatever. It was a, a really good uh, indie film. Yeah, that is
1: good. Compare that to... Earlier stuff from that summer you know can't hardly wait opposite of sex yes um it's it's more in the vein of um of a welcome to the dollhouse Mm -hmm. a couple years earlier yes totally agree it's a good movie so
0: also in the vein of of uh welcome to the dollhouse there's something about mary (laughs) july 15th another big hit from that summer
1: i saw it twice
0: is it the best fairly brothers
1: uh, it's not. It's obviously the most popular. Fairly Brothers. Um,
0: I don't know. Dumb and Dumber is pretty up there.
1: But well, financially, I think it's their biggest hit. Um, but I would say Dumb and Dumber, um, and Kingpin, are better. And also, uh, I stand. I stand by um, uh, the Three Stooges movie they did. I think oh, good awesome. lord! That's a <laughs> movie. Said that's no
0: actually, one ever. <laughs>
1: That's actually really, really good, and then, um
0: you ha- you have I- just made the history books, my friend. You're literally the only person on this planet who ever made that statement.
1: No, it got a couple of really stellar reviews uh uh i'm uh like I wasn't a fan of uh, shallow hell. the one I did like uh it's not perfect, uh, but I did like the Twins movie Stuck a Mute. Uh, there's some really good stuff
0: in there. I really like Stuck on You. I do too. That's fine. Cuz I, I I feel that Stuck on You was the most emotional movie that they've made. I mean it's it's funny, but there's also there's also great kind of pathos in that movie.
1: Yeah. And I well and I think I I love Love Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch is terrific. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're I Red like
2: I like there's something about Mary. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go to back I do too. It. I, yeah, I think it's a, really funny. It, it, it holds up well to re, uh, repeat viewings. I've watched it uh, here in the last year, and I still laugh. And I don't know. I enjoy it. So.
1: I remember there was talk there for like five minutes, like of Cameron Diaz getting the Best Actress nomination. I believe she won the New York Film Critics Circle, which yeah. I think surprised a lot of people. Did
0: that? Did that movie win the Hair and Makeup uh, Oscar? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Very good. Uh July 17th, The Mask of Zorro. which I don't remember much about this movie. I remember seeing it and saying, well, no more Zorro for a, a while.
1: They, yeah, it's pretty forgettable. But it was a, it was a hit? Made 100 million? And um, yeah, uh, the twist being that um
0: Catherine I mean, Zeta-Jones oh,
1: No, the twist being that Anthony Hopkins is actually Zorro. Uh oh, right, right. passing the porch as it were to uh banderas and
0: um well zeta jones that was a big time so entrapment was before this one right no no
1: entrapment's a year later uh okay so yeah she she has this film then entrapment and then uh what do you call it uh traffic yeah. is in 2000 and um I, I believe she got this film because i believe spielberg he watched uh, a titanic miniseries that she was mm-hmm. in and she was like a highlight uh, but but uh, yeah uh, I liked Massasar at the time I remember seeing it and thought it was obviously a throwback to their stuff it was, uh, I believe it was Martin Campbell mm-hmm. who was a good uh, good yeah. director his great I mean Casino Royale is a masterpiece uh, but
0: you know, yeah they're trying to convince the, him to do well uh, fans are starting to to uh, advocate for him doing the next Bond well, back to Martin I would, Campbell.
1: I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I would not object. I mean, like I said, Casino Royale is probably the is a is a should be a gold standard in doing Bond movies. Yep.
0: Polish Wedding, Under Heaven, and The Thief. Anything?
1: Not for me. Um, I know <laughs> Polish <you>. Wedding. <laughs> Thank got, you, Adam. I know Polish Wedding got like uh, some critical notices, but I I, uh, I skipped that one.
0: Freeway a movie we all liked Freeway 2 any thoughts on Confessions of a Trick Baby didn't see the
1: second one loved the first wow what
0: a what a subtitle Confessions yeah. of it a has, Trick Baby
1: it has a had its own following I believe Vinegar Syndrome just put out the 4K they did. They did yeah um, yeah I think Vincent Gallo is in it if I'm not mistaken in a, in a supporting role and it's uh, Natasha Lyonne uh, playing the title yeah
0: who, uh, Jim was, Jones had a following too. I mean, you just never. <laughs> don't
1: don't forget that. Yeah, this is uh uh Natasha Leon Well, this is her breakout summer because it's this film and um uh, later one Slums of Beverly Hills.
0: Oof, yeah, that is something to break out from. <laughs> July twenty second. I don't know the theatrical release this movie had before it premiered on Showtime, but I'm assuming this is Adrian Line's Lolita.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yes. It uh, you know, it was the Oscar qualifying week. Yeah. York, uh, yeah, it, it uh, actually
2: debuted in 97, I think, on Showtime because uh, it was filmed near where I live uh in the summer of 96. Can I everything
0: guess, film right? near where you live? At
2: that, that time, it hell? was a hotbed of activity. <laughs> it really was. Shelah Hal film Prince of Egypt. (laughs) That was that was right down the street.
0: The Prince of Egypt. (laughs) Just every movie we talk about for now. I watched you throw that in. (laughs) That was filmed right down from my house.
1: (laughs) It was filmed in '97, but it was held up. That's right because of obviously the uh, content. So then Showtime bought it. They're like, we're going to show it, but you know, Mm -hmm. and then Showtime like, but we're going to show it in theaters for a week, two weeks.
0: Good on them. And, uh, i I got to tell you, I I, uh, I love Adrian Lyons' Lolita. I do too. I, and, and I personally feel it's a far superior version to Kubrick's.
1: Without a doubt, yes. Well, it goes in more depth, obviously, than the Kubrick was able to. Uh, Jeremy – I mean, let's just, Jeremy Irons is better at that role. It's not
0: just it, about you know. that. I mean, the Kubrick thing, just tonally, just tonally, Adrian Lines is more uh, consistent –
1: the uh um, yeah you know, I, I don't think it's available uh i i believe imprint in australia has the blu-ray mm-hmm. of that um, mm. so if you're interested and it's a regan free blu-ray so if you're
0: and while while morricone score in Bullworth is ridiculous lolita i feel is one of his best scores i'll, I'll replay the morricone score
1: from this right and uh melanie griffith is actually i mean once again you know Obviously, Apples, not Apples to Apples, but Melanie Griffith is better for that role than um, Shelly Winters. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. Melinda well,
0: it, it? I mean, Shelley Winters, you could you uh, my mind kind of goes to her when you t- you're. she knew how to carve a, an, an annoying character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 the Towering Inferno performance just uh, like 30 years earlier, 20 years <laughs> earlier.
1: But no, it's 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 a good movie. Um, what I would like now, if they were to ever do another Lolita, I want a the you know we we got these two versions we got Kubrick we got Adrian Lyne okay so we have the I would love to see the female directed version of Lolita and see how that kind of changes the uh, the uh, just the perspective and just how we, how that story would be play out you know the Greta Gerwig Lolita I think that would be fascinating. And I think that's the only way you could do a Lolita now, is to get a female director. Like, I want a female director, and I want to do a Lolita. I think that would be the only way you could get a greenlit.
0: Maybe. July 24th, the big one that we need to talk about, yep. Jane Austen's Mafia.
1: They took off the Jane Austen by the time the movie came out. Cause oh, did they really? Was, yep. When the movie finally came out in theaters, it was called Mafia, with an exclamation point. For oh, the same wow. reason they took off the three on the Madness of King George, um, they want to confuse people or put crocodile in quotation marks. Oh, people table.
0: that think they're seeing Sense and Sensibility or something.
1: <laughs> right. Some, I don't. Know. So I mean, you gotta love you gotta love the skittishness of movie producers. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just Naked Gun
0: thirty three and a third. You th- people will think they're buying a record. How how will <laughs> the they pro- possibly know they're seeing a movie? <laughs>
1: What, what do we the think about it? Movie, it, Mafia? I was going to say. The problem with this movie is that it, it literally comes out a week after something about Mary. And so mm-hmm. it's just, there's just no, you know, if you want to go see a comedy, you're not, you weren't going to go see that. You're going to go see something about Mary. Mm, yeah.
2: And Lloyd Bridges passed away. He's in it and passed away yeah. right before it came out. Yeah, so I think it's very funny to be quite honest. <laughs> really, I do. I think it's very funny. I have it on Blu-ray and I, I ran it for my uh, son. He thought it was funny too. Uh, you know, he's seen enough of the movies that it's parodying. That um, I think. I mean, obviously there's some jokes that fall flat, but there are a lot of them that are very very funny. There's one that that riffs on. Um, the uh, the scene where Marlon Brando is eating the orange in The Godfather, and uh, basically the character who's eating an orange in this film has been burned horribly, and so everybody gets sick when they look at him. <laughs> they're, like, vomiting because the person... You know, it's basically they the guy survives the car bomb like they had in Casino, but he's horribly burned, and so everybody that walks past him, they're watching him eating an orange, and uh, everybody's vomiting at, at the sight of his... Burns on his. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I don't know. It just.
0: Oh, I'll have to watch it. I haven't watched it. I, I, yeah, I it's. I mean, it wasn't even good enough to be considered Jay Moore's best movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, be Jerry uh, Maguire.
1: Yeah. All right. Two hundred cigarettes. Yeah.
0: Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yep. I uh,
1: think I saw this three times in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once uh, was enough for me. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, it's just uh, I mean, it's the best film of that year. Um, it's top, oof, Real, top. You don't three.
0: think Shakespeare in Love was the best oh. movie of that year?
1: <laughs> they made my top 10. That is a great movie. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's probably top three Spielberg. Um, it's just amazing. It's an amazing film. It's an amazing war movie, uh, like Full Metal Jacket. Uh, and it's more than the opening. The whole movie is just a tense film. It's a great action. It it astonishes me whenever, uh, outlets put out their, you know, the best action movies of all time or the best action movie of the last 30 years. This film is never on the list. This is an action movie. Uh, it tells its story through action. What is amazing about the movie is that, you know, nine times out of ten, war movies, you know, what's the, the subtext of a war movie? War is hell, and we must do whatever we can to avoid war. And that's a noble sentiment, and we all probably could agree with that. What makes Saving Private Ryan so singular in the great movie is that it's